At Exodus chapter 18, Exodus chapter 18, we want to continue with our thought, our series concerning the fruit of the Spirit, and we are down to the fruit of the Spirit that's entitled goodness. Everybody say goodness. Look at your neighbor and say, are you good? Now look at it one more time and say, no, really, are you good? <laughs> Exodus chapter 18, look with me if you will at verse number 8, Exodus 18 verse number 8. <clears throat> Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them on the way and how the Lord had delivered them. And then Jethro rejoiced for all the good which the Lord has done for Israel, whom he hath delivered out of the hand of Egypt, Egyptians. And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians out of the hand of Pharaoh, and who has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods, for in everything in which they behave proudly, he was above them. And if you remember this scripture here in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, we've been reading this scripture to you for the last several weeks. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. Against such there is no law. Let me give you a quiz tonight, see if some of you know this. Maybe Brother Earl will, will be able to get this, I'm not sure. Some of you others may, 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 be, may be able to answer this question. How many of you knows what is the largest fruit? What is the largest fruit? Does anybody know? The largest fruit, huh? Watermelon? No. Close. <laughs> the largest fruit. A pumpkin. How many know that a pumpkin was a fruit? Who knew, right? <laughs> a pumpkin. A pumpkin is the largest, largest fruit. Uh, matter of fact, uh, you know, some of you have got, got pumpkins before, and you've cleaned out the inside, and you've made pumpkin pie. Anybody like pumpkin pie? At Thanksgiving time and, and Cool Whip and all those kind of things, you know, making you hungry now uh, tonight. But uh, pumpkins can grow to be the largest, largest fruit. Matter of fact, in 2014, I believe, no, 2016 was the latest one that they grew that, that broke the records. This, this pumpkin grew and weighed 2,261.5 pounds. That's a big pie, ain't it? That's a big pumpkin pie. And uh, that's, a, that's a heavy, heavy pumpkin. So, Pastor, what are you talking about? Why are you talking about a, a large fruit? When you think of the, the, spirit of the, the fruit of the Spirit, when you're when you concerning what we're talking about tonight, uh, when you look at this word called goodness, goodness, of all the fruit, uh, the, the Spirit fruits that we've talked about, even up to the very end, one of the characteristics that we want to look at concerning this particular fruit of goodness Probably you could take goodness and it would really be tied in with every one of them. Every one of them, love, joy, peace, all of these things would be tied in to goodness. It would cover the most ground, so to speak. It's almost like that big giant pumpkin that would cover the big ground weighing over 2,000 pounds. And if you're good, then you're loving. If you're good, then you're probably patient. If you're good, you're probably, no doubt, peaceful. And on and on and on we could go. And now we've 
So we could just skip over, over this fruit, you know, we sometimes think, because we've covered all the other things. But I want us to take a little time tonight while we're here to consider God's goodness because this will empower us to keep producing goodness in our lives. How many knows that we've talked about every Wednesday night that these, these gifts here, these fruits of the Spirit, is a fruit that is always in season. It doesn't just grow in the wintertime or the springtime or the summertime or the fall time. All these fruit that we're talking about is always in season, and goodness is, is no exception. So when you look at Exodus here, we're, we were talking about uh, the, the Exodus here and, and, and what was going on in this story, and, and when you look at this and you do a, a search, on this, it is at the beginning of Exodus. The Israelites have already witnessed the ten plagues that had taken place. They've already escaped Egypt by crossing of the Red Sea and watching the world's superpower of that day lose its entire army in the Red Sea that day. They've seen water miraculously pour out of a rock after Moses had struck it with his staff. They'd been eating manna already every day, that bread from heaven, and they won their first battle already when they fought the Amalekites. This all happened during the first three months after leaving Egypt. They had a lot that they had to contend with. There was a lot that took place. God blessed them uh, abundantly by the time that they had left Egypt and three months even after that. Moses had a lot to, re to report to his father-in-law. When Jethro made a visit, and you know the story there, Jethro was not an Israelite, he was a Midianite. And these people, the Midianites, were descendants from Abraham's second wife, Keturah. Jethro, though, was a believer in the one true God, and he delighted to hear all of the good things about God. He, it was almost like, a, like he had just enjoyed it like a piece of candy, or some of us enjoy a piece of candy, or enjoy maybe a pumpkin pie or a piece of pumpkin pie. We enjoy that, it excites us. Jethro, he was that way. He wanted to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I enjoy talking to people when they have good stories about what God had done for them. I enjoy listening to testimonies. I enjoy listening to the mercies and the grace of Almighty God. I enjoy listening to those things, those favor things that God had blessed people in. And Jethro was no exception. Matter of fact, when you look at verse 10 and 11, the Bible says, Praise be to the Lord who read rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh. He says, now I know that the Lord is greater than all the other gods. Let me ask you a question tonight, church. Have your last three months been as eventful as the, these children of Israel over the last three months? Now, probably not. But some of you probably have had some good things to happen to you in the last three months where God has come in and God has touched you and God has ministered to you and God has blessed you. And God just, just for, for no other reason, he just showed up to touch you. For no other reason, maybe that you was just praying and, and you was just interceding and you was just resting in the promises of God or you was just reading the scriptures and you just, you just read a favorite scripture possibly and, 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 you, and you listened to the voice of God. God and, and maybe God called and recalled some things of how he touched you in the past and how he blessed you in the past and how he ministered to you in the past and how he picked you up and you just enjoyed hearing and remembering the good things of Almighty God. You didn't have to fight any battle that particular day. You didn't have to face any enemy that particular day. Your day was going just exactly like you wanted it to go and all of a sudden God just showed up and he just blessed you and, and you've heard people say this before without any 
without any prayer, without any thought, you just begin to weep before the presence of the Lord. You just begin to feel the presence of the Lord. Has anybody ever done that before where, where maybe you wasn't even praying, you were just contemplating and, and thinking on the goodness of God, and all of a sudden, God's goodness just showed up in your life. Some of us would rejoice, and some of us would jump up and down, and some of us would shout uh, to the Lord. I, I got tickled at Brother, I, I, I may not need to call names, but Brother Mike Way, uh, last night, Keith and Jeanette, we were sitting at a church, at Pilgrim's Rest Church, and uh, we was having a, uh, the Lord's Supper service, I think they called it, and they was doing communion, and they had different things that was going on, and uh, I, was, I was getting tickled at him because of some folks that was in the church, and the pastor got up, and it seemed like just to be sort of a normal kind of service, but when the pastor got up, he just began, boy, he just started out, I mean, just 100%. He was just hog wild for God, and he said, give God some praise. Oh, ain't God been good to you? Ain't God showed up in your life today? Ain't God blessed you today? And he just kept on, kept on. And I got to, I got to sitting there and thinking, and I got tickled because of a, a couple of ministers that was that was in there that possibly was not used to those kind of services, and they sort of looked around and not really knowing what to do. And I got to thinking about that. I said, Lord, it really it doesn't matter what denomination that we're involved in. It doesn't matter where we grew up. We can all be grateful for the goodness of Almighty God. Amen. He is a good God. He is a wonderful God. He is a God that blesses us. He's a God that keeps us. He's a God that sustains us. He's a God that knows exactly what we're dealing with and knows exactly what we're going through from day by day. God understands you when nobody else understands you. Amen. Amen. He knows what you're going through. God has kept us from all harm. He's delivered us. He's ministered us. Matter of fact, sometimes, even as, as of last night, we were standing there in that hospital room, and, and Brother Chuck was in a lot of pain. Lisa was crying, and I don't mean to, to tell this on them. It was just you would have done the same thing, and not knowing what was taking place, not knowing what was going on. We begin to pray, and we begin to lay hands on Brother Chuck, asking God to deliver, and asking God to help him with his pain, and help ease the pain, and all of that. They've come in and they worked on him and they give him nitro pills and all of these kind of things and it didn't seem to do any good. But God understood what he was going through. God understood what his family was going through. His daughters was going through. Every one of us, is, uh, you understand what we've, we've, had, we've had members of our family and even you yourself that, that has undergone major sicknesses but God has always been there. We've undergone major, major surgeries but God has always been there. The Israelites, they weren't with that challenges either. Our text says that Moses told Jethro all about the hardships that they had met along the way, those three months along the way. But Moses was also happy to, to, to give him a report that the Lord had been with them throughout all of those hardships. The Lord had been good to his people. Moses was upbeat when he gave the report. It reminds me of the psalm that says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion in Psalms 84. You may never read that scripture, really thought about that scripture. When you look at a, do a research of a wording of that scripture, the valley of Baca doesn't seem like a place 
a good place to be. It's sort of got a strange sound to it. But baca means balsam wood. It also sounds like a word for weeping. And the psalmist is saying that even though we travel through a valley of tears at times, and we may go through from one crisis to the next, these hardships does not need to wear us down. Now let me stop here long enough just to help some of us, including myself. There's been times, Brother Adam, I will allow the hardships of life to wear me down. There's been moments in my life if I'm not careful and I don't trust in God like I need to trust in God, I want to take care of it my own self. I want to do it in my own timing. Hello? I want to do it in my own strength, and I find myself getting in trouble all the time when I do that. But if I can just rest in the promises of the Lord, Sister Bridget, that God is faithful, that God is going to be there, that God is going to sustain me, that God is going to keep me, that God has already promised that I'll be with you everywhere you go, that God says that I will be the light that you need. I will prepare a way in the desert. I will open up the springs if I need to. I will hide you in the cleft of the rock. I will keep you when you need to be kept. If I'll just remember and listen and remind myself, Brother Larry, of those promises of God, of the goodness of Almighty God, then these hardships doesn't need to, need to sway me. These hardships doesn't need to get me down. Exodus says, for those who trust in the Lord will go from strength to strength. Isn't that cool? Go from strength to strength. Strength to strength. That's a wonderful thought. Just as God was with the Israelites throughout the Exodus and sustained them throughout their hardships. Now, we could, we could spend an eternity on the Israelites. I mean, those, that group of people, they was just like this right here. I mean, if you, when you go to the Old Testament, you read about the, the group of Israelites, they was either with God or without God. They was either in trouble or out of trouble. And every time God got them out of trouble, they'd find themselves back into trouble. Now, don't get too hard on them, because it sort of sounds like us sometimes, doesn't it? Aren't we the same way? We find ourselves in trouble sometimes and out of trouble. We find ourselves on a high mountain and then next tomorrow we find ourselves in a low valley. We find ourselves feeling like we can conquer everything. But then on the other hand, we find ourselves that if a good wind come along, it just might blow us down. <laughs> We're up and down all the time. Israelites was the same way, but, but they had understood that God sustained them. God had taken care of them in their hardships. And can I tell you, he's doing the same for you as well. He's doing the same for you. You're only getting stronger through the hardships. Don't, don't allow the enemy to trick you. Don't allow the enemy to tell you that you're getting weak. Mm -mm. God only allows you to go through the hardships to build you, to strengthen you, to mature you, to help you along the way. I'm, I'm, I'll just be honest with you. I'm thankful that I'm not spiritually where I am, I, I am tonight, where I was 20 years ago. Hello? Aren't you? I'm thankful I'm not where I was when I first started. God's brought me a long way. God's done a many things in my life. God's sustained me a many a time. God's helped me through some battles a many a time. God's helped me when I've been weary a lot of times. God's helped me when I didn't feel like praying, that all I could get out was a groan and an utterance, and he heard my prayer anyway. Why? Why, Pastor? Why does he do that? Because of the goodness of God. And I'm thankful that just because I'm thankful that I didn't have to wait for a season when that fruit was going to grow. It was always in season.
the goodness of Almighty God. That's, the, that's God's goodness because he told us in his word, I will never fail you. I never fail you. And so God lets us go through these hardships so we can taste his goodness. Getting ready, you, you probably saw maybe an announcement or whatever, and, and we, I don't know if you've got it on Facebook or not, but uh, every year around this time in April, the boys and the men gets ready for these Boys Rendezvous, Brother Cup, that we're going to go on April the 13th through the 15th, right? Let me just put a plug in. Any of you guys or men want to go camping with us this year, you're welcome to go. Get signed up. We have a blast. We, we take some young guys, take our kids, take some other boys, and try to mentor them, but we go up to the campground where there's lake is. You can fish and all that kind of good stuff. We have a great time. One of the things that uh, moms always fuss at us about is that uh, when we get them boys down there, I don't, I, don't, I don't make them boys get no shower. Don't bother me. They ain't sleeping in my tent anyway. But we just let them boys have a good time. We let them go down there and they fish. They'll go to bed each night with all that body funk on them, catfish guts, catfish bait, all up in the tent. By the time they get back, they're sleeping back and their clothes stinks. You might have to throw them away. I'm just telling you right now. But we have a fun. We have fun. We don't get all bent out of shape on some things. You know, we, uh, this ain't in my notes, but let me just help some of you mamas out a little bit. Mamas, sometimes you've got to learn to pick your battles. <laughs> you ain't got to fight every battle. Just learn to pick some of the battles. And when we get some of those guys down there, we just, we just, let, we just let them pick their battle. I remember years ago, Lynn, when Tyler was just a little little thing, and he was she let him go with us. And first thing, Kyle, I don't think Kyle cared. He didn't he didn't say a whole lot. But Lynn said, "Now, brother, you take care of that baby, take care of that boy." Well, I took care of him. When he got on the bus, I said, "Glad to have you." I don't I ain't talked to him the whole weekend. I don't think till he come around till I gave him some food. He just had a blast. And uh, I think that first time he went, we found a snake up in the, in the camp. We killed the snake. And I said, you know, Tyler, this is what we need to do. You come here, get a, get a hold of this snake. I want you to hold it. I'm going to take a picture. I'm going to send it to your mama. And I'm going to let her know that we're taking care of you. <laughs> so we have fun. But when I, in saying that, think, think about, if you, if you enjoy camping, think about how you feel after a week of tent camping. There's no showers around. You're just out there. You're just roughing it. Think about how you feel after tent camping. I mean, when you come home, you appreciate the amenities that you've got there. You appreciate the bathroom. You appreciate the shower. You appreciate the hot water. You, you appreciate the soap that goes along with that. And, 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 and you, you appreciate that. And so there's no need after you get home to spend 15 or 30 minutes to an hour gathering wood to build a fire so you can boil water. You just hit the button and the water heats up and it begins to boil. There's no, there's no worry that you have to worry if the rain is coming that particular night and, 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 and your tent will get, start floating that night. We've done that one time over in Paragool. Went to bed, it was wonderful weather and we put our tents down in this little valley and it come a storm that night and all our tents was floating by the next morning. 
We have just a wonderful time. It's just a joyous time. Some of y'all, if y'all have never been tent camping, you just need to learn about tent, tent camping. But, but you don't have to worry about that inside that snug house. It can storm all it wants to, but now you're there sitting down at a table with a chair and it's luxury and you're appreciating the plate and the table instead of having to balance a plastic plate or, or a food in your hand trying to eat it or a hot dog on the run and all that kind of stuff. And, and you appreciate all these things. Well, you think about that the same way God lets us suffer hardship sometimes that you and I may appreciate the goodness that we have even though we have to go through trouble and even though we have to go through heartaches and even though we have to go through all of those things that sometimes the world brings and life just brings. Many times we have to admit that we're, we're not like Moses who eagerly told others, about God's goodness. We, we're not so quick to share about that in the midst of the trial. Now, y'all can be, be honest with me. Let's just, it's Wednesday night. Let's just be truthful together. When we're in the midst of the trial, we don't feel like talking about the goodness of God, do we? When we're in the midst of that struggle, when that husband and that wife is sick or that baby is sick in the midnight hour or we don't talk about the goodness of God we want God to move we don't spend a lot of time talking about the goodness of God instead we subconsciously sometimes think uh, that our good fortune is simply because a lot of times we work for it and because we just didn't waste time we didn't procrastinate we've done it ourselves. and if anything sometimes we get annoyed at God that life hasn't gone more smoothly for us Let me ask you something. Don't you still believe that God knows what's best for you? Now, I wonder about that sometimes. God, don't you understand what I'm going through? Don't you know what's best for me, God? God's trying to help me, but I won't get me out of the way. But God, we get annoyed at God that because our life hasn't gone more smoothly. And, but the fact that you and I made it through another week is a good thing. The fact that we made it through another week without a traffic accident is a good thing. The fact that we made it through another week and not ended up in the hospital is a good thing. Because the truth of the matter is we don't have any hope of tomorrow. We only have today. We only have right now. We don't know what's going to take place tomorrow. We don't know what's going to take place. I asked Brother Chuck, I said, Brother Chuck, have you, been, have you had any heart problems? He said, I've never had none whatsoever. Walks five times a week, 30 minutes on a treadmill every day. Healthy, as far as I'm concerned. That's what he was doing last night, walking on a treadmill, and he got to feeling bad. And all of a sudden, heart attack. We don't have a promise. We don't have a hope of tomorrow. The fact that we have a loving family many times to encourage and sustain us is because of the goodness of Almighty God. The fact that he continues to be good to us in spite of our ungratefulness even at times, he still is good to us. Sometimes God's goodness is better than we deserve. Amen. God's goodness has an eternal significance thanks to another kind of fruit that hung on a tree. It was a morbid tree. It was a wretched tree. We come up on Easter and we celebrate. We're in Holy Week. Every day there was things that Christ was involved in throughout this Holy Week. Jesus hung on a cross 
And it's the clearest evidence of God's goodness to us sinners. Because he looked down through time and he saw us, even in our sin. He looked down through time, even in the midst of our stuff and our junk. He died for us anyway. And sometimes I, I wonder if I, if I, Brother Keith, if I really understand what he done for me. Sometimes I don't think I do. Sometimes I don't think we as God's people really grasp what the Lord done for us on the cross of Calvary. Why do you say that, Pastor? Because some of us, we just simply seem to go through life without even a care, without even thinking, without even being thankful for what the Lord has done for us at all. I can tell you truthfully tonight, standing here, if it had not been for the Lord on your side, you wouldn't be here tonight. If it had not been for God to rescue you, you and I wouldn't be here tonight. If it has not been for the goodness of Almighty God, looking down through time and looking at your soul and looking at my soul, we wouldn't be here tonight. But thanks be to God that He loves us and He cares for us and He sent His Son. Amen. When Jesus hung on the cross, it was the clearest evidence of God's goodness to us sinners. We ought to see it. We ought to see it. Funny little way to explain this a little bit more. Let's just say that you had a cat. I don't know if any cat lovers in here or not, but if, you, if you're not, let's just say you had a cat. And your cat chased a squirrel inside your house. Now, probably some of you wouldn't be bothered by that, but there'd be others that you ain't going to sleep in that house until that squirrel's gone, right? You're going to get that squirrel out of there. I mean, you searched and you searched and you couldn't find a squirrel. For the next few nights, you called yourself sleeping. But it really wasn't sleep. Because in your mind, you knew you was going to wake up and there that little bushy-tailed varmint was going to be sitting on your chest looking at you eating a little acorn or something. What would have put your mind at ease, though, is this, if you had saw that cat chase that squirrel into your house and then to see that cat chase that squirrel out of your house, that would have put your mind at ease. In the same way, sin. Now don't, don't leave me here. Sin has scampered into every crevice of our lives. And it ought to keep us awake at night. But it doesn't. Still talking about the goodness of God. Sometimes we get off in our own self. The sin. And we're bad, and you've heard me say this before, but we're bad about labeling a sin. Oh, that sin's higher than this one. Oh, that one's real bad. I'm going to give that on a scale of 0 to 10. That's a 9 or a 10. That's just a 2. But can I tell you, the one that's a 1, that you rate a 1 or a 2 can keep you out of heaven the same way that a 9 and a 10 can? Yeah. It's sin. And sin is scampered into every evidence of our and crevice of our lives in order to keep us up. At night, when we think about the consequences that sin offers, sin, the Bible says, is brings forth what? Death. We deserve for what we've done, but God ought to clear us out of his loving presence because his mercy has come in. But instead, what he did was send his son who came into our lives, and he gathered up all of that sin, and he took it to the cross with him. He took it to the cross with him, and there, in full view of the world, God punished Jesus for your sin and for my sin. 
went to the cross with him. Now we're safe. Now we're safe. Sin, the intruder, has been dealt with. Such as God's eternal goodness. Sin has been dealt with through the mercy of Almighty God because of his mercy. And now this God, this God, he calls us to display his goodness to the world. He calls us to show his love to the world. So the question is, have we been doing that? Have we been showing the goodness of Almighty God? If someone was speaking about you and his friends, would he be as excited as Moses was when telling Jethro about all that God had done for them? Or would he speak about how calculating you are? Would he speak about how you are overly pessimist? The thing is that we have reason for cheerful optimism tonight simply because God is good. We used to sing an old song, God is so good, God is so good, God is so good, He's so good to me. We sang that and it seemed like at one time, I don't know when it was, back in the 80s I guess, it seemed like we sang that chorus over and over and over and over and over again. And if we wasn't careful, it got to be sort of a normal, mundane, oh, we know God is good. And I'll get up here and we do it all the time. I'll say, God is good. All the time. (laughs) But do we believe that? Do we really take that to heart? Do we take it to heart? Being good is not just something that shows on the outside. Good is a quality that only God can see on the inside as well. And those who are good fill their minds with pure thoughts. Those who are good, they they fill their minds with those things, not the things of this world, not dirty pictures. Being, Being good means doing a faithful job at work, even when nobody else is looking. Being good and a good student doesn't necessarily mean getting good grades, Because some of you could do that in our sleep many times. It it means that we apply ourselves and do our best on whatever task we've been assigned to do because whether people's looking or not, we're still going to be good. Even if you think, boy, here's a big one right here. Even if we think at times it's just a dumb idea, we're going to be good because that's what we've been instructed to do. Even when we think it doesn't make any sense, Pastor, that's just stupid. (laughs) We still go ahead and be good because that's what God has called us to do. Being good. I think it was that Brother Mike, he alluded to today. It goes right along with this. He, He was asking the question, how would I be treated when I come to your church? He said, would you shake my hand? He said, if I come to your church and I got your pew, how would I be treated? I, I, I hate to tell you, but there's, I've been in some services where some folks has come in and got your pew, and whoever you was got mad. And I have been in some services before where some of those yous just asked the person, said, you're in my seat, you need to get up. Now, I don't know. <laughs> Let me just help you right here just a little bit, if you love me a whole lot tonight. My prayer is that somebody comes in and gets your pew every Sunday. I hope they move you around so much that you ain't got a pew. Amen. Hallelujah. Matter of fact, if you get a visitor in here come Sunday morning, invite them to come sit with you. Give them your pew. 
Shake their hand and let them know that you're glad to see them. Don't lift up your nose like you're better or bigger than they are because let me bust your bubble, you ain't. The same God that died on the, same Jesus that died on the cross for you is the same Jesus that died on the cross for them. Amen. So there's some things we've got to get, we've got to get fixed concerning the goodness of God. Being good, of course, means that we'll be kind and patient with others. Not just some, not just some of the time, but consistently. Everybody say consistently. Paul said in Galatians, he said, let us not become weary in well-doing or doing good. For at the proper time or in due season, we'll reap if we faint not. He says, therefore, if we, if we have an opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of God or the family of believers. He said, as we have opportunity, we'll have opportunities. Those opportunities will present themselves. Amen. Let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of God. And so Paul's admonition here hits the, hits the conscience if we, if, if we think about it. Like an arrow-shattering glass. I mean, anybody can be good for a little bit. Anybody can, can be good just for maybe 10, 15 seconds. I mean, even a child can sit still maybe for 30 seconds. It's continuing to be, and, and to do good sometimes that's a difficult thing to do. We quickly get tired when others don't appreciate what we're doing for them, don't we? We get that way. And even if they don't thank us for our efforts, we wonder why others are not helping. Maybe tonight you feel, you feel that way about the chores around the house and the duties and the responsibilities of a husbands and wives and family members or the care you give to fellow members or fellow family members. It's all right to help one another. It's all right to be involved in things. It is okay from time to time, dads, if you clean up the house. It's all right every now and then to put the toilet seat down. It's all right. It ain't going to hurt you. It's all right, moms, you just go out and help dad clean up the yard every now and then. It's okay to do those things. It's all right to be involved and share in those things and, and be a part of that family. But there will come times of temptation that doing good because you're tired of holding down the fort sometimes all by yourself, you feel like. You're tired of, of things just happening one after another and day after day. Let somebody else do that for a change. I, I made the coffee this week, let them make the coffee. I made the bed this week, let them make the bed. I cooked last night, let them cook tonight. You know, those sort of things. But what can you do when you feel yourself becoming weary and well-doing, the Bible talks to us that we need to run to the Savior. For he tells us in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all you who are weary and are burdened, and I will give you rest. I'll give you rest. Take those feelings of frustrations. Lay them at his feet. Then marvel. Step back and just marvel at the goodness of Almighty God. Step back and just watch God work. Step back and just see the hand of God. You know why sometimes we can't see God move? Because we won't give an opportunity to move. Sometimes we don't see God move because we don't give Him a chance to move. We want to do it ourselves. But just step back and watch the goodness of Almighty God move. Watch Him move as He fills your life. And don't forget how Paul says that in time, 
You'll reap a harvest. In time, you'll reap a harvest. Any job that you, you do can become monotonous. Any job you do can become difficult. Even the remodeling here of this church, we had a, we've had two or three jobs that got monotonous. This ceiling up here got monotonous. I wanted to get the ceiling done. I was tired of spray paint. I was tired of ceiling tile. There was, there was just jobs. This, and right now, these hallways, they're getting monotonous. And these hallways, they grow every day when we walk in them. And we joke with one another around here. And, I, and Brother Cup will tell you, I, I fuss at him and Keith and David and Caleb. I said, put the putty down. Every time I see you guys, you got mud in your hand or putty in your hand. And I've painted this wall three or four times. And now Keith today has already went out there on that front wall, a wall that I've painted four times. It was done, and now he took a trim off the wall. Now, that may not mean nothing to you. But for me, I've got to put that trim back, and I've got to caulk that trim again because he's a contractor. He said he don't caulk and he don't paint. <laughs> So somebody's got to caulk and somebody's got to paint and make it look like it never has been taken off. That'll be five times. <laughs> so, you know, there's, there is jobs that, that gets monotonous and they get difficult at times. But How many of you would be more apt to stick to a job if you knew that you was going to receive $2 million at the end of it instead of $200? Man, I would. You let me know what the, you know the reward's going to be. I, I'll stick. I'll stick with that thing. Well, I know this is real simplistic here, but let me tell you: through Jesus Christ, we have received a promised reward of grace that is worth more than two million dollars. Money can't buy it. Money can't touch it. Money can't touch it. Hallelujah! Can't touch it. So don't give up being good, and don't get tired of doing good. You have all the eternity to rest. <laughs> There'll come a time for resting. There'll come a time to sitting back and enjoying the pleasures of the Lord. You enjoy those now, but I, you know what I'm talking about. In the meantime, make your goodness as obvious as a giant pumpkin. Get it out there where people can see the goodness that God has placed in you. Now, if you're that way, everybody's not going to like your goodness. Everybody won't appreciate your goodness. Everybody will not appreciate your kindness and the love that you show for people. Don't worry about it. You just flow in the presence of Almighty God. You flow in His goodness. You flow in His kindness. Sometimes you might even have to get a good chewing out because folks don't understand your goodness. How can you do this? I've treated you this way and I've treated you that way and you're still just being good to me. Still just loving me. You know what I found out? I found out you can get more uh, out of folks if you just be nice and kind to them than be ugly to them. You be ugly to them and you're going get, to get your temper all, all uh, up in the air, you know what's going to happen. It's just going to explode. Then it'll explode every time. It'll explode. Proverbs says a soft word turns away what? Wrath. Soft word turns away wrath. So be good. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's, it's something that God has blessed you with. It's something that God has given, given us tonight. And so, Lord, help us be good tonight. Especially, God, help us church folk to be good. <laughs> help, help us church folk to be good. We expect it from the world, but, Lord, not from church folk. Help us church folk 
to be good. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. We're so grateful for your many blessings. We thank you, Lord, for everything that you mean to us. We thank you, Lord, because of the goodness of Almighty God. Lord, there are times that we find ourselves in, in a heap of trouble, in a, in a mess at times. Help us not to get weary, as Paul says, in well-doing, for in due season we'll reap. Help us, God, to stay focused upon you. Help our eyes to be upon you. Help us, O oh Lord, in these, this, these fruits of the Spirit, O oh God, that we've been discussing and we've been talking about. Help us, O oh Lord, in each one of those to grow day by day, day by day. Help it to grow. Help us to show goodness to our fellow man. Help, O oh God, every day that we get up, let our prayer be on our thought. God, what can I do good for somebody today? How can I bless them? Could it be a phone call? Could it be a letter? Could it be a card? Could it just be a touch on the back and just let them know I'm thinking about you? Whatever that can be, O oh God, help me to do what you've called us to do. And we'll give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.